Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. I do want to entitle this message, More Better, because I believe that the Lord is wanting to do more better for us. He's already good, and he wants us to experience more of his goodness. <clears throat> and yet, every one of us has problems that we cannot fix, and we have needs that go beyond our ability to take care of. And that actually is a fact of life, and no one should be ashamed about it. The readings this week teach us that God wants to help us fix what we can't fix ourselves. And whenever we read about lepers in the Scriptures, it's easy to detach or to put distance between us and them because we might say, well, I don't have leprosy, therefore, this isn't an issue for me. But as Cantor Aaron spoke earlier about the spiritual connection in the Scriptures between that spiritual outbreak that we translate in English as leprosy, it wasn't really leprosy as I understand it, but it was an eruption of the skin, but we'll call it leprosy for the sake of uh, moving forward. But that, there was a spiritual side to that that was also connected to gossip or speaking ill of others um, and improperly and so forth. That's one side, but I want to talk about another side. Um, even if we aren't lepers, each of us may face similar situations because we have problems that are too big for us and we have resources that are not big enough. And even though the lepers could not help themselves in some situations, God used other people as a part of the help. And I want to refer to one leper in particular who was a Syrian general, Naaman or Naaman, who Yeshua took note of also, one day when he was talking about Naaman being the only leper who was healed at that time, even though there were many lepers in Israel. So we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at his case in particular, but the lepers in Israel were instructed to go to the priests, and they needed spiritual ministry as part of getting their physical healing. The priest was involved in determining if the person was unclean. And then the priest was involved in determining that the person had been healed and cleansed. And he guided the cleansed leper through the process of offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving after the healing. And that sacrifice of thanksgiving, that's what we're doing when we're thanking the Lord for the good that he does on behalf of ourselves and others. And confelicity, that finding joy in other people's blessings, that also is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So, this ministry that the priests had in ancient Israel was important because 
Sometimes we just need to recognize that we're unclean so that we can deal with it because some uncleanness can be remedied if we're mindful of what it is and then we can turn our hearts to the Lord and we can repair what we need to repair. But it's also important to understand that some situations cannot be solved by ourselves and some uncleanness that, that may be touching us is not necessarily a permanent condition. That's very important to understand that God wants us to be clean. So he wants us to be healed, he wants us to be whole, he wants us to be complete and to prosper in body, soul, and spirit. And I can tell you this, God is always on your side when you want to come out of uncleanness. When you say to the Lord, I see this uncleanness in my life, I want to come out of it, God is on your side. And you can be sure of that. God is not indifferent. He's not neutral. And we're going to look at the story of the Syrian leper, Naaman, or Naaman, that confirms that. He was a commander of the Syrian king's army. And Naaman came to Elisha, the prophet of Israel, because Naaman's problem was too big and his resources weren't big enough. This was not about money because Naaman came with a lot of money. But that wasn't the key. The God of Israel was able to help him. And do you know why the God of Israel was able to help him? It's because nothing is too difficult for God. Can you say that with me? Nothing is too difficult for God. And as I'm saying that, I'm sure some of you are saying, oh yeah, you don't know my problem. You're right. I don't know your problem, but if you're one of those people who was thinking that, the Lord knows your problem. I'm not a mind reader. Trust me. In fact, sometimes I don't even notice the obvious things. And early on in my marriage, I had to learn not to say to my wife, why are you kicking me under the table? <laughs> Any other guy has to learn not to say that? <laughs> and she was trying to get my attention because I wasn't attentive about something. But saying, why are you, <clears throat> well, I had to learn that. But nothing is too difficult for the Lord. And when you, when you realize that, that God is able to, to lead us through all the challenges and the anguish and the uncertainty and the difficulty and bring us through that to a place where we can praise Him. God is able to do that. God was able to help Naaman, the leper. And in order to do that, he had to use the prophet, or he decided to use the prophet of Israel to heal Naaman. And it's important for you to know this, that Syria and Israel at that time 
had a lot of adversity and there were bandit groups that would attack uh, Israeli communities and steal their stuff and steal their people. And so it, it was bad. But I want to tell you that that did not stop God from his mercy. And so Elisha was the one that God was going to use, but he wasn't the only one because several other people had an important role. And I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5 with me. And as we're reading a few verses, I want you to pay attention to different people who had roles to play. And each of them had to fulfill their part. And it's useful to think about Elisha as one of them because do you remember when Elisha felt he was called by God to be a prophet and to carry forth the prophetic mantle? He, he wanted a double portion from Elijah, and Elijah basically said, it's not mine to give. But I tell you what, if you're there when I go up, then you can get it from the Lord. Basically, it's up to you and him, not me. And Elijah made no promises to Elisha. So Elisha could have said, don't you understand how important I am? I'm going to be a healer and a prophet and a this and a that. I'm going to be in the Bible too. But he wasn't offended, which helps us understand that Haftorah, or the British Hadashah portion that Rick read today about um, blessed are the ones who are not offended. Anyone who's not offended by Yeshua, Yeshua sometimes says, you're blessed. That's a low bar, isn't it? Just not to be offended by the Lord, just not to allow offense to take over and to rule your life can be the difference between whether you receive blessings or not. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, Naaman was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Let's say that together but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel, a little girl. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And then she said to her mistress, now this is a telescoped version of what actually happened and you've got to fill in some details she is now a slave servant to Naaman's wife. She's observing his leprosy, and she's thinking in a certain way. She's thinking that God could heal Naaman, even though she's been stolen from her family. And she is now a slave servant in Syria. She is holding on to the goodness of the Lord and what God can do. And this little girl has a, an amazing grasp of the calling of the Jewish people to be a blessing to the whole world. And sometimes you find yourself in a position that is not of your choosing or where you would not want to be. And it may even be unjust, unfair, and not good, and maybe even related to evil actions. And yet, God can use you 
for good. Story of Joseph. Story of this little girl. Verse 3, she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So that tells me something, that this little girl, during her short years, had heard the stories of what Elisha had been doing. And so it's a good reminder, parents, tell your children what God is doing. Don't wait until they're of age, because you never know when they're going to need to know about the goodness of the Lord. This little girl said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, for he would heal him of his, mass, of his leprosy. Verse 4, and Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus, said the girl who's from the land of Israel. And then the king of Syria said, go now and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. So one king writes another and sends a lot of money and says, I'm sending him, now you heal him. Knowing that it's not the king who does the healing, it's the prophet. But let's think about who's had a part in this. The captive young girl from Israel has a part. She told Naaman's wife about Elisha, the prophet of Israel. She told the wife. And then Naaman's wife, she told her husband. She passed on the word from her servant. And then the king of Syria, he heard, and he heard what the little girl had said, and he wrote a letter to the king of Israel and sent silver and gold and clothing. Verse 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes. You know what that means? Ah! This is terrible. And he said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So now I want you to take notice of this. The king of Israel did not do his part. And yet God worked anyway. The king of Israel missed his opportunity at that moment, but God worked anyway. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? So the word got out that the king ah, had torn his clothes in anguish. And that's all that Elisha knew. And so he boldly wants to know, so why? Please let him. But it's more than why have you torn your clothes. It's, it's a rhetorical statement that's better understood this way. You didn't need to tear your clothes. Send him to me. Please let him, Naaman, come to me, and he'll know there is a prophet in Israel. 
So Elisha is alert. He's ready. He offers to do something, and he sees this as an opportunity. That can be inspirational for us to stay in that condition and to get in that condition, to return to that condition when we fall out of that condition. Being alert, being watchful, seeing opportunity, and being ready to participate in the opportunity. That's part of the expectation of good. Verse 9, then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, let me just pause for a second. This account leaves out lots of details, like how did Elisha communicate to Naaman, and how did he give his address, you know, he didn't send you know, his location via his iPhone, of course. But these are the important details. Naaman stood at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Verse 11. But Naaman became furious, and he went away, and he said, Indeed, I said to myself, so now we're getting this account. He said this like out loud. He said, I said to myself, this prophet will surely come out to me. He'll at least come to the door and meet me, and then he'll come outside and stand they're with me, and then he'll call on the name of the Lord his God, and he'll, I don't know, wave his hand over the place, and he'll heal the leprosy. Isn't that the way we can all be? Where we have our expectations, we have our plan, and we're thinking, this is how it's going to work. And he, Naaman, is, what does it say? Furious. Let's repeat that word, furious. You should be able to relate to this because we all get upset when things do not go the way we understood they needed to go in order to get fixed. But I love the detail. He, he would have waved his hand over the place. You know, it's like a little hocus pocus or abracadabra. I don't know what the words are that he thought he was going to say. Probably neither of those. And then he went on. He said, are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned and he went away in a rage. Let's say that together, a rage. So he went from furious to rage, but what's mixed in there? Disappointment. His disappointment becomes rage. Verse 13. And understand, he is a general. He's a powerful military figure. But his servants come near to him, and they spoke to him, and they said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, something difficult, would you not have done it? 
how much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. So they're, they're appealing to him, and they're speaking from their heart. That's why they say, my father. But they're also speaking to his heart. So it's from their heart to his heart, and they call him to humility and to obedience, knowing that he's the powerful figure and they're the servants. But they have this kind of influence, and they use it for good. So they do their part. Do you see that? They could have sided with his fury and his rage and his offense and said as well, huh, these good for nothing, or these people who did such bad and so much harm to me. How dare they? And they could have said, yeah, how dare they? They could have fueled his fury. Do you understand? But they did their part. What was their part? They spoke from the heart to the heart. But it was a word that required adjustment on the part of Naaman. Naaman had to exercise faith, and that meant to do what he was told to do. And everyone has to do that. We have to exercise our faith. Our faithful obedience to God is important. It's not enough to say, yes, yes. We have to do what we're told. Sometimes we can't get to that place on our own, and this is important, and it's part of the theme that I'm trying to develop here. We need others who help us get there. And so we need that. And so look at verse 15. So Naaman returned to the man of God. So he went back. He and all his aides, and he came and he stood before him. Oh, wait a second. Did I? I did. I skipped verse 14. I surely did. Let me back up. Verse 14. So they, the servants told him what he should do. And verse 14 says, so he went down, he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And then he returned to the man of God, verse 15, he and all his aides, and he came and he stood before him and he said, indeed, now I know that there's no God in all the earth except in Israel. And I want you to think about this. It took a lot of people doing their part to bring this one man healing. And it's a good picture for us because a lot of people have a role to play in every healing that actually takes place. In every act of mercy for someone, that's the way God works, that each of us does our part. 1 Thessalonians speaks to this, verse, chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. So where is God headed with us? He wants us to obtain salvation. Yeshua the Messiah, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. 
So this is speaking to resurrection life, that Yeshua's resurrection is connected to how God wants us to live in the power of resurrection life and how we can embrace the resurrection life of Messiah in our own sphere of influence, in our own lives, and see that the things that are dead in us or that appear to be dead may be able to come back to life too. Therefore, 11, chapter, verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you were also doing. That's what we're doing when we rejoice with each other about victories, answers to prayer even steps. That's what we do when we're standing together praying for someone according to their needs, not our needs, their needs. And we are saying that their needs are important to the Lord, not just our needs, their needs. This is the heart of the Lord. He has destined us for rescue, for deliverance, for healing, for salvation through our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah, who died for us so that we can live together with him. And for that reason, put it all together, we encourage each other, we build each other up just as you are doing, because together we can do so much more than by ourselves. Any one of these people might have failed to do their part, but God wanted to heal Naaman. God wanted to do that. And when even the king didn't do his part, the Lord had a way. Sometimes God will find a way. If you're not available, he'll find someone else. But sometimes, if you're not available, it just stops right there. So don't, don't imagine that your part, even when it's a small part, is insignificant. It may be the key to the next part. And understand this, and as we read this story, everyone did their parts. Everyone did their parts. Every time that we help someone else in need, we are answers to someone's cry to God. Do you know there are people all around us, people you know who are crying to God, help me. And the way God is going to help them is by sending someone to them who can help them. Every time we give charity or we contribute to the needs of others, we're serving the Lord who takes notice of people, he listens to their prayers, and he sends help. You know, sometimes what we are saying to God is, Lord, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do it this way and wave your hands and say abracadabra and do it. And the Lord doesn't agree and says, this is not some magic trick. And what the Lord does instead is he sends someone who helps you. It's all part of the covenant that God made with us. 
and he ratified in Messiah, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. That's a way of saying when we find the will of God and we agree with it and we ask for it, God always has a yes in that direction. And we'll close with Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The construction of that in the Hebrew is interesting. It's one part of the person speaking to another part of the same person. Soul, bless the Lord, praise him. Have you ever had to do that? Where one part of your being is like in the mully grubs, you know what I mean by that? Is negative, and another part of you is positive. The cartoons, you know, they, they have like these little devil on one shoulder, little angel on the other, and they're whispering in the two ears, who are you going to listen to? The Indian, American Indian saying, which wolf are you going to feed? When there's a part of you that can't quite get it right, let the part that can exercise authority. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. And some of you are uh, you're optimistic people. How many fit into that? And some are pessimistic people. It's not about that. It's not about pessimism or optimism or personality. It's about this, the goodness of the Lord. And because he's better than we are, sometimes we have to speak to the part of our soul that doesn't recognize that, or the part of our being that doesn't recognize the goodness of the Lord, and exercise authority that we do have if we've been redeemed by the Lord. We're not, we're, we're not prisoners of despair. We have hope in God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, if you're an older person, you might know what it means to tell yourself, don't forget this. But the king was not older. The king was young. And he was saying, don't forget don't forget the benefits of the Lord. He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Don't forget this, soul. Soul, remember. And that's one of the reasons why we gather together and we sing such scriptures as we sang today, in order to remind ourselves so that we remember. Why 
once. I had to... Um, I had to pack up for a move, and I was getting ready to throw away a bunch of things that I hadn't used for a long time, including a notebook that seemed to be filled with irrelevant information in it, because I looked at the beginning of it. And so I was about to throw it in the trash, and something in my spirit felt I shouldn't do that, and that I should go through the notebook. And so I just flipped all the way through, page by page, until I got to the very end where there was a, a hidden pocket that had $100 in it. And I just started rejoicing. Because if I had thrown it away, I never would have known that I threw away $100, right? But sometimes life is like that with the Lord. You don't know what you missed. You only know what happened. And so sometimes you do this one little part, this one little thing, and good happens to you. So before you throw out all your trash, This is the way God works. Sometimes just do the right thing at the right time that the Lord is prompting you to, and then you'll see the results. You can't explain it to anybody, but it happens. Anybody ever had that experience? Little secret from the Lord. He spoke to your heart. You did it. You did it. You did it, and then you got the benefit of it. Yeah. So let's keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua so that we can keep learning to be more and more like Him and we can learn to serve Him in a way that brings His light and His goodness into this broken world. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for your compassion and for your mercy. Help us, Lord, so that our service will reveal your goodness to other people. Our ministry, the way we live, will reveal your goodness to other people. And use us, Lord, as we do our part to bring healing and encouragement and blessings and hope and faith to people all around us. And let it be, Lord, that we see more better. In Yeshua's name. Amen.